Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. We have been going through the the book of Acts for many months now, actually since the beginning of June in 2019. We took a little bit of time off for Christmas, but uh, we've gone through, this is now the 29th sermon in this series, uh, but we're coming to the end. And as we, we started it, it began with seeing Jesus, and Jesus was still on the scene. He had resurrected, and he tells his disciples there this, this tremendous direction for their lives. In chapter 1, verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And what's followed from that is seeing how that happens, sometimes intentionally, sometimes not intentionally, at least they're intentionally. Part of the, the movement of the, the gospel comes because of persecution. As, as, as Stephen is killed in chapter 7 and, and people spread out, they go to other parts of Judea and Samaria. And there the gospel goes forward. And we see Peter going to different places and telling people about the Lord Jesus and, and letting them know who he is and how he's fulfilled all that God had promised previously. And then emerges this other character, Paul. And at the first, you're like, here's a villain. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, but somehow, amazingly, the villain transforms and changes and becomes a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he becomes, in some small way, the hero of the second part of the book as we see and follow his travels. Of course, as we note sometimes that in the Bible, the hero is always God. <laughs> Behind each of the characters who are frail in some way, who have character flaws in, in other ways, it is God who leads and directs and causes things, things to happen. But throughout it all, we're seeing this gospel go from Jerusalem out to Judea, which would be that area, to Samaria, the second next area around, and then to the ends of the earth. And uh, far from Jerusalem would be the capital of the Roman Empire, Rome. And the gospel is heading there. Paul has been told, he's wanted to go there several times to tell people about Jesus. When he was in Corinth, uh, probably in Corinth, he wrote a letter to the Romans talking about hearing their faith because the faith had gotten there. Other people had come who had become believers in the Lord Jesus and the church had developed and he writes in that, hey, I, I want to come to you. I, I want to I tell you and encourage you and bring a word to you and, and he's hoping to do that. And, and as he heads back to Jerusalem with the gift, he's arrested and, and while being arrested, he... Uh, is told by the Lord Jesus, you've testified about, testified about me in Jerusalem, you're going to do it in Rome. And we begin a wild ride. It takes a long while, actually. Two years he's stuck in a city called Caesarea, but then he finally gets in a boat, and we looked at that boat ride last week. It was quite a wild ride. Uh, for 14 days of that trip, they were, they were completely out of control. A northeastern uh, wind with hurricane force blew them around. It was so cloudy, they couldn't see the, the sun in the day or the scars at night. So they had no idea how to figure out where they were going. And they ended up crashing on 
right near the island of Malta, close enough to be able to swim to it. And you wonder what else is left as they come to land. And Paul, uh, the guy who is the focus of this last part of the, the book, he's helping build a fire because it's, it's November or so and, and it's cold. And as he's helping to build a fire, he gets bit by a snake. Well, what else could go wrong? But then the story continues, and that's where we pick up in chapter 28 of of Acts. If you have your Bibles, if you follow with me, how do we get there finally to Rome? Well, after three months, that being on the island of Malta, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with a figurehead of the twin gods Castor and Pollux. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there we set sail and arrived at Regium. The next day the south wind came up, and on the following day we, we reached Puteoli. There we found some brothers who invited us to spend a week with them. And so we came to Rome. The brothers there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the foreman of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these men, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Well, that's not so bad <laughs> compared to the last chapter and, or the, the, la- the first legs of this journey, which was horrible. People are getting sick and they're throwing stuff off. They lose everything, including the ship. Oh, horrible, horrible ship ride. But now it's like, yep, we just got in a ship. Uh, it came from Alexandria. Remember, uh, Alexandria in Egypt is a, a bread capital. where They would get a lot of grain from there that would feed the Roman Empire, particularly in Rome and those surrounding areas. And, and this had wintered there on the island of Malta. And so they get in and, and boom, 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 they're, they're able to get there. It's hardly much happens there. There's, there's all kinds of things that could have happened. They, they go through uh, into the, the city of Regium, and to get through that, there, there was the Strait of Messina, uh, kind of on the boot in Italy, and, and halfway through, and, and in those days in particular, there was, there was a whirlpool there. Um, the, at the Straits of Messina. It, w- it was known and, and described in, in many legendary tales and, and people were afraid of this whirlpool. Well, there's no mention of it. They just got through that, no problem. Not even th- the rocks there were something else, but no problems. That Luke doesn't pay any attention to that. But what he does give us is along the way, what's happening? Paul is running into followers of the Lord Jesus and that's what he wants to highlight. As he goes to different places, he's running into believers, and they're encouraged, and, he, and Paul is encouraged because the word has gotten forward to this place. It's moving. The gospel has spread, and he's excited about that, and he's much encouraged, and, and thanks the Lord for that. As, he, as they head on into Rome, uh, they, several meet him outside, and they talk, and... and uh, it is good to get together with the brothers. Now, all this time he's with the Roman garrison or some Roman guards that are, are working with him and the other prisoners that are there. Julius is the centurion who's watching over them. And I just wonder what's going through their mind as, as they go to the different spots and, and they're like, oh, it's Paul. And it's like, how does this guy know all these people? He's, he's never even been out. And, and they have to listen because uh, at different points, certainly he would have been chained to a guard. And so whatever he says and talks about, they're there to listen as they talk about their faith in the Lord Jesus and, and how this happens. And 
What, a, what an amazing thing. But finally, 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 they're in Rome. This place that at least twice in the, in the last part of the chapter or the last part of the book of Acts, Paul is told, you're going to do this. In chapter 23, he's told, you have testified in Jerusalem. You also are going to testify of me in Rome. And then when they were on that wild ride on the, on the ship, the, an angel of the Lord said, you will get there. You must testify before the Caesar. And, and so you and all your people will make this. So again and again, he's told, this is going to happen. And then there's words, those words in the text. And so we came to Rome. They made the journey. And then what happens? Well, the first order of business as he comes to Rome is he's going to meet up with the Jewish community to talk with them about why he's there, what's brought him to this place. And that begins in chapter 28, verse 17. Three days later, he called together the leader of the Jews. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me, but because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death, but when the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that, he had, that I had any charge to bring against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. They replied, we have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of the brothers who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. From morning till evening, he explained and declared to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your forefathers when he said through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. Oh, Paul wants to meet with the Jews. This is the thing that he consistently does. When he comes to a community where there is a Jewish part of that particular city or community, he talks with them and tells them. And this is important for us to continue to remember, even in our day today. Because a lot of times when we think about the Christian faith, we think about us being mostly Gentiles, us who are not Jewish, that, that, that Christianity and Judaism are separate things, that, that they're, they're not connected at all. But in the early church, one of the specific things about faith was the early believers, with little exception, were all Jewish. They all came from Jewish backgrounds and lives and faiths, and for them, this was not a changing from what they believed, but the fulfillment Something that even Jesus says when he's talking about the law and the prophets. Not a dot or a tittle will be, will be erased until the fulfillment comes. I'm not coming to abolish it, but to fulfill it. This is what Jesus' task is. And, and so the faith to Jews is 
what God has been teaching them and telling them all along from, from the time when he called Abraham to be the father of the people. God's intention has always been that they would know him and that the conclusion, the thing that settles once and for all the sinfulness of mankind that we see begin in Genesis chapter 3 is finally paid for once and for all by the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, Jesus. And so Paul brings this message of Jesus again and again and talks with them about the kingdom of God so that they may recognize that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the king from the line of David that they were anticipating and looking for. It's easy to to put that on the side today, but this message still is yet for all mankind, Jews and Gentiles alike. We must continue to find ways to bring this message. Paul will talk this, about this in his letter to the Romans. Uh, in, in chapters 9 to 11, he talks about the passion he has for, for Jews to come and realize that Jesus is their Messiah. And his description for those who are Gentile believers is that, well, you have been grafted into the vine and he has this picture of a tree and, and how some of the branches have been, well, they've been pruned off because they weren't fruitful. Meaning, many Jews were not believing in their Messiah and were pruned off because of their disbelief. And Gentiles, because of the message going forth to all nations, were being included into that vine, into that tree as part of the kingdom of God, as part of the people of God. Part of his warning to Gentiles is don't think that, you know, just because you were grafted in that you couldn't be pruned out again. It was a warning them to contain, maintain their faithfulness. But it was also a reminder as well that this kingdom of God and those who are Jewish in their roots, this is for them. This is something that needs to happen yet today. And so there are ministries that, that exist today, Jews for Jesus and, and Chosen People Ministries and others with the intention of helping others discover what we've discovered, that Jesus is Messiah. Jesus is King once and for all. This was part of Paul's passion. And as he talks with them, and, and many came to believe, and, and, and as he took the, the law of Moses and the prophets, he was like, this is how it all fits together. And many were like, oh my goodness, that's amazing. Uh, this fertile mind and training that Paul had, steeped in the scriptures, he was able to, to understand, having come to faith in Jesus, how God had be, been planning this all along. That the prophecies pointing towards the Christ were fulfilled in Jesus, if they would just see it. Well, they come to the end, and some obviously believing and others not. Um, and so he, he comes with those words from the book of Isaiah in chapter 6. After Isaiah receives his, his calling from the Lord, uh, who will go? He says, here I am, Lord. And he says, here's what I want you to go. I want you to go to a people that is... Is, uh, is not able to see and not able to hear. Um, and he brings this phrase as an indicator, this is where you're at. It's kind of a last-ditch effort because they're not listening. They're not receiving. 
even though he's shown them again and again that this happens. That's one of the other parts of the story too, isn't it? Not everyone's going to believe. Some have the vested interest in not believing and will not pursue it. There's this interesting story that Jesus, when he's walking along, there's a rich young ruler who comes to him and, and, and he has been a, a good, faithful follower of God. He, he indicates so to the Lord. So he asks the Lord, how can I inherit eternal life? He says, well, you know the law. Uh, have you, and it's like, I've kept them all since I was young. And Jesus, it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. And he says, one more thing you must do. You must sell all your goods and come and follow me. And at this, the young man walked away sad. And Jesus, having isolated something that was holding his heart back. And so the guy walked away. And Jesus let him walk away. Which I would be like, hey, wait, 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 wait. Stop, stop, stop. Let's, let's talk about this more. Just let's. But, but Jesus lets him walk away. Because at different points, there's no more talking to them. Maybe he's going to ponder and, and think through this, but uh, at this point, he's not going to follow. And so you're wasting your breath at this point. Uh, Paul realizes, I've gone as far as I can with you. I continue to try and let you know, but uh, my message is now to the Gentiles, and, and they're going to listen. And then, in two more verses, Luke's account of this ends. Chapter 28 Verses 30 and 31. It says, For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Period. There's the end. Two years, yada, 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 yada. Paul, Luke doesn't give us any stories of what happened during that time, people he interacted with, even about what at some point he would testify in front of the Caesar. We, we don't have any of that. But what we have at the end is this description of Paul's life there. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he did. Now, boldly and without hindrance, I, I don't know what without hindrance means with a guard attached to you. He was in chains, obviously, still, and, and he, he couldn't co completely come and go as he pleased. People would come to him, and he would talk and teach with them. But it says boldly and without hindrance. It is thought that during this, these two years, this time that he was in Rome, Paul wrote the prison epistles, uh, the epistles of Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians and Philemon, and, and uh, had lots of time to write with that and, and tell people about that. And, and he, during that time, uh, he writes in, in Philippians, and this is in Philippians chapter 1, some of the results of what was going on there. In, in verse 12, he says, now, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, this having been imprisoned. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord Jesus have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Uh, People are coming to him, and he's telling them about Jesus. And, and whatever guard is chained to him at that time has to listen to this repeatedly. 
uh, there would have been a changing of these guards, so many of them would have heard it, and then they would have talked to others, and, and they would have talked about these Christians who come and listen to this guy, and, and as he indicates in this letter to the Philippians, that, that they're all talking about this, because what does this mean, and what's going on here? And that's the message continuing to go forth. Boldly and without hindrance, the message goes forth as he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's the end of chapter 28. And there is no 29. But is there? I am not the first to uh, put out the idea of what would Acts chapter 29 look like? Because as this story is obviously incomplete, two years he stayed there, he's not to Caesar yet, what's happening next? Well, part of what's happening next is what's continuing on even to this day, that the church of Jesus Christ continues to live on and move on. And this picture of boldly and without hindrance to speak of the kingdom of God and to teach of the Lord Jesus Christ, this happens, it's an ongoing task for us today. We live this out. Paul did it in prison. He, Paul, he did it in, in jeopardy. He did, did it after having been beaten and stoned. The whole litany of things he describes in his letter, his second letter to the Corinthians, of things he endured because of Jesus. And yet still his focus was to speak the word of God. Once upon a time, a little candle stood in a room filled with other candles, much of them larger and much more beautiful than she was. Some were ornate and some were rather simple, like herself. Some were white, some were blue, some were pink, some were green. She had no idea why she was there, and the other candles made her feel small and insignificant. When the sun went down and the room began to get dark, she noticed a large man walking toward her with a ball of fire on a stick. She suddenly realized that the man was going to set her on fire. No, no, she cried. Ah, don't burn me, please. But she knew she could not be heard and prepared for the pain that would surely follow. To her surprise, the room filled with light. She wondered where it came from since the man had extinguished his fire stick. To her delight, she realized that the light came from herself. Then the man struck another fire stick and one by one lit the other candles in the room. Each one gave out the same light that she did. And during the next few hours, she noticed that slowly her wax began to flow. She became aware that she would soon die. With this purpose came a sense of why she had been created. Perhaps my purpose on earth is to give out light until I die, she mused. And that's exactly what she did. In our life, what is our purpose? Uh, The purpose of Acts is to show us how the gospel spreads from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. It's gotten to Rome by the end of this book, but now it has extended further. And as Paul's life was centered upon bringing people the knowledge of who Jesus was and, and calling them to follow him as well, that message continues on. Each of us have purpose. God has made us. He has wired us the way we are. 
And we're all different. It doesn't take too long in discussions with one another to see that we're all different. We all have different people we know and connect with. And, and even the people that we know that are the same, we have different kinds of relationship with them. And part of our purpose in living out this faith in our Lord Jesus is to also let them know of this life that is being offered. That God, the God of all things, the God of this universe loves them. But that sin is a huge deal and needs to be taken care of. And Jesus took care of it. This is what we remember in, in our communion time today. But all need to hear this message. It needs to continue to go forth. Others need to hear this. And our purpose from our breathing day is until our last is to faithfully walk with him and faithfully talk of him that we are key components in God's ongoing plan that all may know. Jim Elliott was a young missionary. He was killed by the Aoka Mission Indians in Ecuador as he tried to share Christ with them. And before he died, he wrote this in his journal one day. He is no fool who gives that which he cannot keep in order to gain that which he cannot lose. Uh, Many of you heard that before, but let me read it again. He is no fool who gives that which he cannot keep in order to gain that which he cannot lose. What can you not keep? You can't keep your own life. At some points, we're all going to die. It happens. I spent a lot of time thinking about that yesterday morning. It was my would have been my dad's 83rd birthday yesterday and much of the morning was thinking and meditating about that and, and some, some tears certainly come. We're all going to die. So what do we do with this life that we have as we have it? We live it for the Lord. We can't hang on to this life. But what can we gain? The walk with the Lord in heaven. Eternal presence with him through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's our promise. And we have this available to everyone. Uh, amazing thing about the gift of God is uh, there, there's not a quantity limit. It's accessible for everyone. We don't have to ration what we do. Because the message is available to all. Jesus says when he's with his disciples in, uh, in John chapter 14, in my Father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. There are many rooms. There are many opportunities. And so for us to be able to follow him and let others know that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and that no one comes to the Father except through him. Who can you bring this message to? Do you have a a top five list or a top most, ten most wanted list? If not, I encourage you to, to, to get one. Who is it that you know that you would love to see come to faith in the Lord Jesus that you could be praying about and asking the Lord to open opportunities for you to be able to share the most important thing in the world that God loves them? That sin is a big deal, but that Jesus paid the penalty 
and that in repenting and following him, they are welcomed into his kingdom and will be with him forever. Let's stand for closing prayer. Lord, thank you for this journey through the book of Acts we've done over these many months and, and seeing the different ways that you've called different people. How at the outset there are 11 disciples and at the end none of those 11 are anywhere to be found. But your message continues forth. And Lord, that as we live an Acts 29 life ourselves, as the message and the story continues with us, may we be faithful to you. And may we also live a life that, as it's described of Paul, boldly speaking about you, unhindered, as we preach about your kingdom and teach about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Guide us by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you this day. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.